Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. It's the first week of June, not quite summer yet, and it's supposed to be a quiet time on the Michigan athletic scene, but it is anything but quiet right now. Joining us in just a moment will be Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press to talk Michigan hoops and even a little bit of football. First, some of my thoughts to get us started. Juwan Howard has been on the job for less than a week now, and he's been very busy. As most of you know by now, he has hired a very distinguished assistant head coach and reportedly is keeping Saudi Washington on staff and even added a New York Knicks assistant who is a Detroit guy who played with Jalen Rose at Southwestern. Soon we will need to get on the recruiting trail and see if he can fill at least two openings in the upcoming class. It's going to be interesting and very, very busy. As much as I like Juwan Howard, I have to admit he wasn't at the top of my list to replace Coach B. The reality is that the timing of Coach B's exit sort of trashed Ward Manuel's short list and took some big-time coaches off the board who might otherwise have been available. As John Bacon said in the Detroit News this week, even if some of the big names were available, they still wouldn't have checked all of the boxes in Michigan's coaching search. So Ward Manuel chose a candidate who has never been a head coach, but he checked off more boxes than anyone else, and he was, in the end, the best fit. Now, does that mean he's going to pick right up where Coach B left off? Probably not. But I do think his upside is huge, and in the end, he was the best choice, and he deserves time and our support. Beat writer Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press joins us next on our game day segment to discuss Michigan hoops and a wee bit of football here on The Michigan Man in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Here with us on our game day segment on our very first show of June is uh, Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press. It's been a while, Orion. Great to have you back with us. Good to be back, Mike. As you and I were mentioning before we started to tape, usually this time of the year you get a little bit of a lull before football camp starts, but not the case, and we know why, with what happened uh, two weeks ago when Coach B uh, moved on to the NBA. We all know who the new head coach is, uh, Juwan Howard. Orion, right away, people, analysts, experts were saying he's a first-time college head coach, so he needs to surround himself uh, with some experienced college guys, maybe even a former head coach, and voila, uh, we're taping Monday evening. New assistant coach is going to be uh, Phil Martelli, who is a very accomplished coach uh, from St. Joseph's, so uh, very good move, I think, don't you? I think this fits the mold, right? I mean, this, this Martelli, he had 24 years at St. Joseph's as a head coach. Um, he had some really, really good years there. Obviously, I was a little young for some of those, but uh, I do remember a little bit about Jameer Nelson. Not the most, but I, I do know that he was a good player. I do know St. Joseph's was number one that year. They had a hot start. They were undefeated. Um, so on, on paper, this looks like a pretty good move. And it, it really satisfies everything that um, Dewan kind of needs from his assistants. Um, but as you said, he's a first-time college head coach, never coaching college before either. And Marcelli is the type of hire that could really help Howard in, in terms of uh, understanding the college game, understanding recruiting, uh, even some X's and O's stuff, I think. So 
on, on the surface, it seems like a very solid hire. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I like about the hire is uh, Martelli's 64 years old, so you're bringing him on board as you start your era at Michigan basketball. He, he's not going anywhere. He's, I'm sure, at his age, not looking for another head coaching job. So you would think he's going to stick around for a while. I, I think at, at this point that uh, might be speculation because I, I, I've never talked to Martelli before. I, I don't know him personally, so... Mm. I'm not sure uh, what his motivations are going forward. Um, but he did say when he got fired at, uh, at St. Joseph's in March, he did say that he still felt he had some coaching left to him. Um, so we'll see. Um, but, yeah, he, he is on the older side, and, and that means um, he has a lot of experience, which is good for Michigan and Juwan Howard. Well, as far as rounding out the staff goes, I don't know if it's official, but I've been reading that uh, Nick's assistant, Howard Isley, is going to be offered if he hasn't already. A Detroit kid played with Jalen Rose at Detroit Southwestern. What do you think of uh, him? Yeah, so that's that's more of an, uh, seems like more of an unknown hire uh, compared to Phil Martelli and, and Sadi, who was there last Thursday and who Isaiah Livers said would be on the staff and other people have reported as well. Um, Isley, uh, his, his background is mostly in the NBA. Um, I mean, he, he had a really long NBA career as a player, and he's been a coach there, I think, since 2010, um, as an assistant coach. So that, that, that one's a little bit more of an unknown. Um, like Juwan, he's never coached in college before. Um, so, so we'll see what that adjustment is like for him. There's always going to be a transition when you're coming from NBA to college. Um, I, I think the big question is whether he can help Michigan recruit in Detroit. I mean, he's from Detroit. He went to a famous high school. He, he has ties to, I mean, Jalen Rose. He had ties to Perry Watson, who was a former Southwestern coach who came to Michigan as an assistant coach under Steve Fisher uh, during the Fat Five era. So, so we'll see if Howard Isley can, can maybe get Michigan into more recruitments in Detroit um, than they have been in the past. Michigan has also done a pretty decent job of recruiting the state. So um, we'll, we'll see how that goes going forward. Well, and if you have Martelli on staff now, Howard Isley, maybe not officially yet, and then Saudi Washington, of course, sticking around. That alleviates, I think, a lot of concerns people had that about Jawan surrounding himself with a very experienced college staff. Check that off. He's done a really good job there. Yeah, I think it's a solid step. I, I do think it was uh, maybe imperative is too strong of a word, but I, I do think it was um, a, a smart move to hire someone who had been on the staff previously with John Beeline, whether that was Fadi or Luke Yaklich or uh, DeAndre Haynes. I think it was good to have that continuity and helping keep the roster intact. Um, obviously, all three of those guys had been recruiting already, the 20, 2020 class, 2021 class. So they have ties to people, ties to prospects. So I think keeping Saudi is a pretty good move. Saudi's a good coach. Um, there's, there's no other way around it. He's a good coach. He developed uh, Mo Wagner. He helped develop DJ Wilson. Uh, he developed John Teske. He also uh, was the interim head coach this past summer in Spain when John Beeline was uh, uh, recovering from his heart surgery. So I think Saudi's a very good coach. Um, I think for Juwan, I think it was a good move to keep him on, for sure. Well, let's just uh, double back here in the last two weeks to some of the stories we've been hearing and get your thoughts uh, on them, Orion. One of them I found interesting was that uh, Juwan had reportedly offered Luke Yaklich the chance to stay. Various reports say that Luke wanted that assistant head coach title added. Is, is that what you've heard, too? You know Brendan Quinn is, is really good at his job. He's, he's incredible. So um, I, I did see that story, but I, I did not um, I did not hear that. Um I would say uh, he's got very solid sources there, though. Do you think Luke was one of the candidates that was seriously considered for the job during this process, though? Sure. I mean, he got an interview for a head coaching job along with Sadi, uh, Juwan, and, and uh, Ed Cooley. So when you're one of the guys who gets an interview, an actual interview with Ward Manuel, obviously, um, 
I think that means they're in contention for the job. Um, I, I don't know where he was in the pecking order. Um, I think uh, I think Michigan went into this uh, thinking that they would have a chance to, to persuade Ed Coy to leave Providence for Michigan, um, and, and they interviewed him first, obviously, on that Monday of that week. Um, so I don't know where Luke Yaklich fell in the pecking order, but he did get an interview. And, and he's, a, he's been a solid assistant coach. So, I mean, he was in the running there for Michigan, obviously. Well, Orion, you did a piece last week on how recruiting will have to come quickly for Jawan Howard. And I heard an interview, um, I think it was yesterday, maybe a, a day or so ago, with uh, Tom Izzo on the, the Huge Show, where he said he was asked, uh, you know, what obstacles or what priorities does Jawan have to uh, to overcome and to learn? He said recruiting would be uh, would be number one again. If this staff develops the way we're we're thinking and hearing it's going to, he understands that too, doesn't he? Recruiting is definitely going to be the, the biggest adjustment for Jawan, um, more so than anything else, just because he's never done it before, really. I mean, he's, he's gone through a process as a father. He went through it himself as a player, but he's never done it really as a college head coach, and that's a different beast altogether. Um, and, and recruiting is a lifeblood of programs. It, it really, that's what it comes down to. You, 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 you can go as far as your roster can carry you. So I think the biggest adjustment for Juwan is how quickly can he get going because Michigan has three open scholarships for next season right now, and it's already pretty late. It's really late in the recruiting cycle for 2019. Um, and it's also really uh, it's the 2020 cycle. He doesn't have much time to get going there either because kids will start signing in November in the early signing period, and they're taking official visits as soon as this weekend. Um, so, so he has to get going quickly. That, that's basically why I wrote what I did last week, saying that uh, – he has to start ramping things up as soon as possible. Well, he got going quickly in uh, in contacting Badgeman, making sure that he stayed with the program. So we still have a couple of openings. Any other players that you've heard of who might be close or he's you know going to be able to keep a reel in? Well, the, the big one is he, he'll have to make a call and, and maybe see if he can visit uh, Jalen Wilson, who was a top-rated signee um, who asked for a release from his letter of intent and got it. I believe Jalen Jalen's currently uh, in Chapel Hill for visit with North Carolina and he visited Kansas as well so he's, he's reopened his recruitment I think Michigan um, should, should definitely reach out to him and see if they can maybe get back into it I'm not sure uh, whether uh, they have a good shot but um, it, it's probably worth it uh, his, he, he does have some uh, interesting ties to the Fab Five he told me last summer after he committed to Michigan that uh, his mom named him Jalen after Jalen Rose so there's uh, there's that tie right there um, and obviously he was committed and signed to Michigan for such a long time Maybe if Jawan can sell him on his vision for a program, uh, Michigan can get back into things. But we'll see going forward what they choose to do. Um, the, the other name is Franz Wagner, Mo's little brother, um, who's currently playing professionally in Germany. Um, I believe I saw reports that uh, Franz uh, officially visited Ann Arbor the week that uh, John Beeline left for Cleveland, <laughs> yeah. which has to be an interesting, interesting um, official visit for him, really. Um, so we'll see if Michigan can get back in there um, because really it's going to come down to who they can get from the 2019 class. The grad transfer market is pretty picked over already. Um, I know Michigan was in for Justin Pierce, and he picked North Carolina. That was before Beyond left. And uh, Javian Cumberland picked uh, Cincinnati today, too. And, and I think he was considering Michigan at one point as well. So the, the grad transfer market is, is a little slim right now. So I think if they're going to add anyone, it, it would probably have to come through the class of 2019. Well, there's big work and quick work that needs to be done uh, with this current class coming in. Uh, but also, there's uh, there has to be some anxiety amongst the returning players. There always is when there's a change like this. But for now, at least from what they say, the players uh, really seem to be embracing the change, don't they? Yeah, yeah. They're, I think they're excited about it. Obviously, if you're at Michigan... 
um, you get a sense of the school's history if you're a player on that team, and they know all about the Fab Five. They know what Juwan Howard did here. Um, so they were excited about him uh, being their head coach. I think they did a good job of staying connected through the coaching search. Um, we, we talked to them Thursday after Juwan's press conference, and uh, many of the players mentioned that they stayed connected uh, in Ann Arbor when uh, the school was going through a coaching search, whether that was you know hanging out, uh, working out together, or just simply texting, calling, FaceTiming each other. I think that made a big difference in, in keeping everyone uh, connected during the coaching search and, and in tune with what was going on. I think that's a big reason why you haven't seen any departures yet. Well, Juwan's introductory presser, a lot of his former teammates were there, a lot of former Michigan players, period, uh, in attendance. Most of them seemed to think he was a good hire, and, you know, at least in that first year or early in the Jawan Howard era, that's that's going to be very important, that kind of support, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He'll have the backing of a lot of alumni. He, he already did for the job, um, and he'll have the unified support of the alumni going forward. Um, I do think that plays a role. Um, obviously, it's not the greatest thing when there's a clash between the, the old guard and, and the new guard. Um, not, not that that's what you should base the hire off of, of course, but it, it's just one of those bonus points, if you get what I'm saying. So... Uh, it definitely helps them, for sure. You know, I thought one of the interesting things uh, at the presser is when Ward Manuel got up there, was almost immediately uh, he, he made a reference to the fact that Jawan wasn't here to, to raise Fab Five banners, uh, that he's here to coach the basketball team. That aside, the uh, the Fab Five reunion talk is going to be hard to get away from, isn't it? Yeah, it will be. I mean, he was a part of it. Um, obviously, people care about it, so I think he'll be asked about it. Um, honestly, it's basically a distraction for the program at this point um this it's 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 really not about them at this point um but we'll see if they get together obviously a lot has been said in recent years about you know getting all five of them back on campus at the same time um so we'll see if that happens i I, i'm not really sure i I don't know those guys Um, i've never talked to them so i don't know how big those risks are between each of them um, but we will see if Jawan uh, and his return to Michigan can get them back together for sure. Well, a last question on Jawan before we move to some football talk, Orion. Uh, how important do you think it is to him and the future of the program that there not be much of a drop-off this year when it comes to you know to wins and to losses and being competitive at the top of the Big Ten? To be honest, I'm not sure how much it, it, it will matter. Um, John Beeline's first year was a uh, was. It was not great. It didn't do very well. I think they were 10 and 22, um, and he was still able to get going. Um, that's just a just a comparison there. I, I think the the new coach year one is is commonly seen as a transition year, a bridge year. Um, people give the new coach time to get his players in, um, his system in. And I think for Juwan, being a first time head coach and a first time college coach, I think that goes saying that that he'll get that same leeway as well. Um, the big thing is that if they can be competitive and, and win some games, that would help in recruiting. And But either way, I think he's going to have a boost in recruiting just from his, his name recognition, um, his, his background, and being you know the new coach. There's, there's that new coach shine mm-hmm. um, often with, with these hires that really helps in recruiting. Uh, coming up right around the corner is football. Believe it or not, here we are. We're taping on June the 3rd. You have voluntary workouts uh, coming up. Uh, the preseason magazines uh, on the shelves and electronically will be out soon. So the hype's going to get started. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit of football here. Chris Evans suspended for the year. That story came out over the weekend. I don't know if anyone's surprised with that, but I've always been sort of unclear as to 
why he's been suspended in the first place, but uh, there's really no indication he's coming back uh, even after the suspension is over, is there? No. um, I I think others have reported that um, he appealed, um, and Mm -hmm. I believe that appeal was denied based on what Jim said um, Sunday, although Jim wasn't in a mood uh, to talk, so those those comments were, uh, I don't know, there was a little uh, weird, probably not the right word to say it, but uh, it was a a different type of interaction. Um, either way, moving on to Chris, uh, it's, his status is unknown, but I think we've known for a while that he wouldn't play this year. I think that was the gist based on what they were saying in the spring. He wasn't on the team. He wasn't with school. Um, so we'll see if he has a chance to come back. I've heard some things um, just from being a student at Michigan. We, uh, I graduated this spring, but I was a student up until then. So I heard some things about it then. Uh, I'm not going to speculate, but mm. Um, it, it seems like he will not be with the team this spring and, and he'll have to work his way back to school and everything. Well, we'll see how that goes here in the next year. Then he's going to have a lot of time to think about a lot of things, it sounds like. One of the things, though, that everyone is excited about is our new offensive coordinator, uh, Josh Gaddis. Uh, everyone can't wait to see you know, what this uh, speed and space offense looks like. You had a chance over the weekend to sit down and talk to Josh. Uh, your impressions? Yeah, so, so Josh uh, Gaddis said this weekend that he's very pleased or very excited about the offense right now. Um, it, it sounds like Michigan did a pretty uh, solid job of installing most of the offense in the spring. Um, and they have a few wrinkles left to install in fall camp, but he's pleased with the progress of the offense. Um, he's excited about where, what it could be, and, and that's something he's stressed, really, is that right now he's excited about the potential, but he wants to see more, and he wants to see more from groups such as the receivers. Um, he, he said that there's been a lot of hype about this receiver group, but as of now, they aren't close to what people have been saying about them, and he, and he wants to see them take a step forward. Obviously, they were dealing with some injuries in the spring, uh, Donovan Jones missed all of the spring. Nico Collins missed most of it. Both of them are back. They're, they're finally healthy now for Michigan, so we'll see if they can take a jump forward uh, going into fall camp. Yeah, I thought one of the interesting things that Josh uh, said was that Tariq Black had to get over it when it came to uh, the injuries. That maybe at this point, after two injuries, and, and man, he's missed a lot of football, there's no question about it. But now the next hurdle for him was maybe more mental. He did say that, didn't he? He did, yeah. And, and I thought those comments were pretty insightful. And, and they honestly, you can empathize with them, too. If, if you were in Tariq Black's situation coming off to uh, pretty pretty catastrophic, pretty big injuries that cost you 17 of your first 26 collegiate games, I think those would, would be on the back of your mind. Um, it, it's only natural to think about that. Um, any Anyone can relate to that, really. Um, just being worried about your health, being worried about being getting back to full strength, um, and, and it's tough for him because he was on his way to becoming a really good player when he did get hurt as, fre- as a freshman. Um, and, and he sort of really hasn't gotten a chance to, to show what he can do since then. Um, so we'll see if he can do it uh, this season. Uh, it, it seems like he's getting close, you know, to, to, to getting back to where he was. Obviously, based on Gag's comments, it's not all the way there yet. Um, so they're we're hoping to see more improvement out of him uh, heading into fall camp here. Well, Orion, sitting down and talking to Josh Gaddis, as you did over the weekend, uh, you know, you got to see a little bit of that offense. We all did in the uh, the spring game, but I, I think it was pretty vanilla as compared to what we're going to see in the fall. When you listen to him talk, he sounds really excited with all the talent that he has on this team. Uh, and for people to see what he can do, he really he really comes off that way, doesn't he? He does, yeah, yeah. And I think that's no surprise given the personnel that Michigan returned. Um, 
brought back the bulk of the offense. They got a senior starting quarterback. They have a, a talented receivers core, talented offensive line, talented tight end group. Um, the, the running backs room it does seem thin on the outside, but uh, Josh Gaddis was, of course, very complimentary of them Sunday. Um, he says that he feels like they're in good shape uh, at running back, and, and he listed off some names. Uh, he said uh, they're excited about Christian Turner, True Wilson, Zach Charbonnet, uh, Hassan Haskins, and Ben Van Sumeren. Um, the latter two uh, who switched over from defense to offense and then uh, apparently performed well this spring. So every position group on offense, it seems like Michigan is excited about. Did he have much to say about his quarterback stable? Yeah, so so uh, this is a story that will probably come out either tomorrow or the day after. But um, he, he says that there's really not that much drop-off in his mind between Shea, uh, Dylan McCaffrey, Joe Milton, um, I, I asked him if Shea was, was seen as a clear favorite right now. I mean, the incumbent quarterback because he had he did start every game last season. Um, and, and Josh said that he wouldn't he wouldn't go so far as to say that uh, he kind of pumped the brakes. Said that it'll still be a competition, which sounds like something uh, Jim Harbaugh would say. Obviously, <laughs> talk about uh, meritocracy and open competition. Um, I, I would be surprised if Shea wasn't starter. I think he's the odds-on favorite um, based on what we saw in the spring in the spring game. Um, he seemed like the most uh, prepared quarterback. He had a really good grasp of the offense. And he had a really good year last season, too. Well, the early season start times were announced last week. The Ohio State start time, no surprise, at 12 noon was also announced. I guess the surprise to me was the opener with Middle Tennessee uh, State as a night game uh, on BTN. I, I know we have uh, two games I think we have to play uh, at night at home this year, but that, that was a surprise to me. Yeah. Um, it, it's a little different than the past night games that they've hosted, but um, to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure what goes into uh, the decisions for these night games. I'm not sure why they settled on Middle Tennessee State. I guess the only the only uh, perception that I had is that it is a different uh, type of game than, than the ones they've had in the past. Um, you know, last year they had Wisconsin. The year before they had a uh, Minnesota and Michigan State, and then you know they've had Notre Dame in the past. So this is a little different. Um, but it is Week One. Um, so there's, there should be plenty of excitement for that, I think. Um, obviously, that that is to be determined as we head into the season. When you look at that October schedule, um, I was reading this last week, and it made sense that there are a lot of night games that we could be playing. and, and you, you never know until the uh, the season gets going, and they, they've got a couple of weeks prior to the game to tell you, okay, it's a night game, it's 3.30 kickoff, whatever it is. October, you look at that schedule, there could be uh, quite a few night games there. I have a hunch that we didn't want to have Michigan State and Notre Dame in October, um, or, or that close together at any rate, and be night games at home. Yeah, that could that could potentially be one of the reasons why, for sure. I, I, I did notice that as well. So I guess it comes down to if we if we contractually have two night games and uh, the opener is a night game, it's going to come down to Notre Dame or Michigan State. So that should be an interesting choice, too. I think it's uh, at Michigan it's a little bit different than other schools just because Michigan didn't really have night games until uh, pretty recently, 2011, and they haven't really had that many since then. So I think... Um, It'll be interesting to see how night games are perceived by fans, um, by the school going forward, just because it wasn't really a thing um, until this past decade at Michigan. Well, I guess in the uh, the coming weeks, until the until the magazines and the hype really starts, recruiting is still going to be uh, somewhat front and center. You've got uh, visits coming up. You've got camps. Anything you've heard on the uh, the recruiting trail uh, as far as maybe some commitments uh, in the coming weeks? If I did, I wouldn't want to reveal them. Okay. And, and spoil anything uh, publicly <laughs> for the kids but but i was at the the best of the midwest camp um i was there a uh, on sunday and 
Uh, there were a few kids who mentioned that they want to visit for June 21st. I think that's like the big yeah. recruiting weekend. Yeah. Um, and then the four-star tight end, uh, Theo Johnson from Canada, from uh, Windsor, Ontario. I think he wants to be there. Um, he's obviously a top target for them. So uh, they'll, they'll get some guys there for sure, some top targets in them. My guest today has been Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press. Uh, always great to have you join us on the show, Orion. And we look forward to, uh, to getting you back during football season. So... Thanks for your time, and try to enjoy some summer before the uh, the schedule gets crazy again. Yeah, it was great to be here. Uh, I'll do my best to enjoy summer. Take care. Thanks, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze & Brew. On Quick Hits today, the number three seed University of Michigan baseball team stormed back from an early deficit on Monday and dominated number 22-ranked Creighton 17-6 to win the Corvallis Regional and advance to the Super Regional round. Michigan, now 44-19, advances to that Super Regional play as one of the final 16 teams left playing college baseball. The Wolverines will play number one-ranked UCLA Friday through Sunday in L.A., Game times for the series are to be announced. Michigan's last time in the Super Regionals came in 2007 when, ironically, the Wolverines advanced to play in Corvallis. It's been another great season for Michigan baseball, so congratulations to Coach Eric Bakic and the best of luck in the Super Regionals later this week against UCLA. A reminder again, we're on our summer schedule, which is two shows a month. We'll be back on June 19th, and Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports will be joining us to update recruiting and, of course, talk some football. In August, we'll get back to our weekly schedule as we prepare for the beginning of the season, and believe it or not, it is just right around the corner. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to rate or comment on the program, and we thank you in advance for doing that. It's easier than ever to listen to the show wherever your busy summer travels take you. We are now on Radio.com, Spreaker, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. You can also get our free show app from the Google Play and iTunes Store, so check it out. That will do it for another show. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, Go Blue! Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!